Welcome, innovative teachers. The wonderful thing about STEM is that it opens up a world of possibilities and what it can look like in your room. Have you ever thought about adding in movement into your STEM routine? Today, we have Kylie Barrett, the teacher and creator of Splat. It's a G 3D geometric tool, and she has an expert on how to get kids moving and think critically simultaneously. Also, if you're already loving our podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This helps spread the word to other innovative teachers who would love to connect to our community. Stay tuned for a great episode full of lots of useful information. We can't wait to learn and grow with you. The Innovative Teacher Podcast is created for teachers to learn and grow together and move their classrooms forward. Current K-5 STEM teachers, Naomi Meredith and Spencer Sharp, dive into various technology topics. They talk Makerspace, STEAM, and PBL, and other hands-on tasks to engage your students. Every Thursday, they bring you the best in technology in the classroom. From interviewing people to real examples from our own classroom, they fully believe that being an innovative teacher is what will separate you from the rest of the pack turning your classroom into something that you love and are passionate about. So come join them as we try to impact the world of education. And now, your hosts, Naomi and Spencer. All right, Kylie, I'm so excited to chat with you. We're all three of us are across the world today. So it's so exciting that we can connect together through a podcast and connect with other teachers in their ears too. So it's super exciting. So I am excited about your story, but I'm sure our listeners are as well. So tell us about yourself and your journey to what you're doing these days. Okay, so I am a teacher. <laughs> uh, and I have a passion for STEM. So I was doing my master's of education in information science when we were doing uh, a lot of um, design thinking and research into STEM and what it means to teach STEM and the foundational elements. And what happened was, is that I found it fascinating that um, the visual spatial development um, of children through geometric thinking and, um, and spatial awareness was not being developed early enough in terms of um, children's developmental capabilities. And so leaving this later to develop it later in high school um, was actually causing students to become disadvantaged and, and also um, disconnected from um, their opportunities because it is a fundamental foundational skill that is needed across every single um, area of STEM and, um, and research, current research shows that it's the number one predictor in long-term success in STEM. So, um, and what we now know is that we need to develop this skill in the early and primary years more so um, than ever. Wow, that's amazing. So you noticed this information, did you go into teaching right after or then did you start your business right away? Like how did you connect all this together? <laughs> It's, it's quite interesting. I um, went into education um, through film and um, media, believe it oh, or wow. not. Um, I worked with an, uh, I worked on um, the Sydney Olympics. 
<laughs> randomly. Sure. Um, and I worked with um, a really amazing team of psychologists and educators as part of that. And what it actually, um, I guess, resulted in is my fascination with education and psychology. And I was a bit lost at that point because, um, you know, film and education, it, um, film and TV didn't feel, I didn't feel passionate about it like I do about education. And so the team said to me, do an education degree. Oh. And, and so it's actually in my 20s that I started in education, but it was when I had my children at home and I was on maternity leave, um, I have five children, um, that I decided to retrain because like my hand on heart, being in the classroom is so much work um, and trying to raise a family, I really needed to um, pick my battles in terms of where I spread my energy. And so I decided to retrain as a specialist, a STEM specialist. Um, and, and that's how come I moved into this lane. So I'd already been a classroom teacher uh, for some time. So yeah. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can connect. I mean, not all of them are teachers. We have some homeschool parents also. And so they might have that feeling like, oh, I need to learn new things and how to engage and go a different path. So that's pretty cool. So how, like, what was your planning process through that? So you have all this background, you have all this knowledge. How did you plan to create something to engage kids in STEM like what how do you like was, I yeah it wasn't intentional you know I think like many things in life and sort of my my own experience is that I'm not a real linear thinker I'll do this and then I'll do this I'm, I'm sort of like a splatter gun you know like it, it's almost like you know one one neuron fires off and then it's just like you know 10 other ones will and it's the connection of opportunities um and and skill sets so what actually happened was is that my husband was burnt out from teaching he needed change um, and I was really struggling in the classroom as a STEM educator trying to get um, students to value visualizing designs mm. so that they could be more purposeful and intentional and, and successful at um, creating in STEM Mm -hmm. uh, so my husband and I had a lot of talks and at one point I just said, you know, honey, how do you do it? How do you teach kids to actually um, design and get their ideas down on paper? Because we need to be doing it with kids younger because they're missing, they're missing this. And then they get to high school and they're expected to draw and visually articulate their ideas and they're not confident to do it. And so him and I started um, our own sort of process of um, working with our youngest children and um, designing this on our kitchen bench late at night. It was just like two wow. educators like you and Spencer getting together and thinking, you know, that doesn't work. Let's do something different. Um, and then I started telling people about my ideas um, and I pretty much got laughed down. But I was super passionate that my husband and I were onto something and it was that passion that then drove me to, um, yeah, to get serious about it. And that's when things really started to shift when we believed in ourselves. That's awesome. That's crazy to me that like people laughed about it because like kids always, when I, at least when I'm teaching kids and we're teaching like all this stuff you're saying, all this, you know, design and, you know, the thinking behind it, I'm always telling them like break everything down into shapes. Everything can be broken down into shapes and you can really think about it as multiple ones put together. Like I am not a good freehand drawer 
at all. But when I do things digitally and I can have a bunch of shapes, like shape tools in Google slide, I do great. And the kids are always like, oh man, like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I just arranged yeah. a bunch of shapes yeah. in a certain order. So it's mm-hmm. crazy to me too that people thought that that's nuts because that's such a yeah. cool and unique thing to think about. And I just love that you guys concentrated on the design component. And when you were talking the whole time, I was trying to find my pen because you said like two or three things. And I was like, I should have wrote that down. <laughs> I couldn't find my pen because I, there were so many great things you said about design. And I know Naomi and I, no, Naomi and I have talked about this a lot on the podcast um, in our free time when we're just talking or other STEM teachers is how hard that design component is to teach. So when you're looking at like splat and what it does, um, how do you see it kind of changing that design component? Yeah. Well, I guess the fundamental reason why people lock me down was because how how young I was proposing students start to do this in 3D. Oh, they need to get um, class. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying, no, they can do it in kindergarten. They've, they've been right. building an isometric probably for two years before they come to school with Lego. So if you look at Lego instructions, you'll see that they're all an isometric. Mm-hmm. It's the natural way that the brain um, perceives objects. Um, and so this is how you break it down. And this is how we broke it down into the most simple elements is that for engineering design, there are only five core objects Ooh. that are required for designing anything. Hmm. And so, yeah. And so when you go into a, um, say into a classroom and kids are overwhelmed, like just create anything you want. It's, it's too much. Giving them freedom is incredible, but design is often about limitations and working within limitations. Um, and it can be very overwhelming for students to just simply, you know, design these creative elements where everything else in um, school is very linear and, you know, sort of tick this box and then you move on to this box. So what we did was we focused on developing a way that we could teach children to create each of those five objects in 3D in three easy steps. Wow. So that was it. It was identifying right. those, those critical elements that are needed for engineering design. While they're doing it, they're also developing their geometric, think, geometric thinking and a spatial awareness because it's in the manipulation of the tool um, which we're creating pathways neurologically. It's no different to handwriting. Um, and it's incredibly important because there is a part in our in our brain that is actually dedicated to using tools to amplify something that we do. That's why computers are so popular and bikes. And, you know, it's like, cool, this makes it easier. <laughs> uh, and so that was the intention behind the splat. I wanted to hand it to somebody and I wanted to see their student light up with joy that they were able to succeed at something that they previously hadn't been able yeah. to do. Um, and see that confidence grow. So those breaking it down for teachers into those five core objects is a winner. Yeah. Absolutely. And then just learning how to connect them. Mm -hmm. I think I really like that you said that they felt overwhelmed because I've never once thought when kids were going to design something like, man, do they feel overwhelmed? Like it's like one of those things like because my brain's developed in that part, you know, and I'm an adult, I'm always like, you know, come on, like this can't, this isn't hard. You're making this more, more complicated than it is. But to think of it the way that you are thinking about yeah. it, blowing my mind right now, because I've never thought about it this way. And like you said, breaking it down into those components and making something that's overly complicated or overwhelming, so simple. Yeah. So you, you touched a little bit, but I wanted you to touch a little bit more on, you talked about like the geometry behind it and the 
like the math component. And I know like that's something that's really hard to hit in STEM for some people, you know, when they're doing a lesson and they want to hit that STEM mm -hmm. um, from their school standards, how does, you know, the geometry kind of come into play and how do you see it kind of leaving a lasting impact on students? Yeah, well, um, basically uh, the way it's targeted in our curriculum out here is that the SPLAT is actually um, great for studying geometry and measurement. So when you're looking at angles, the um, isometric axis is a great one to look at. We used to do it as optical illusions. How do we make something appear 3D while it's flat on paper? We need to use angles. And the angle that does that is the isometric angle. Um, and so we, when we're designing, we're looking at the volume of shapes. We're looking at um, like stability then, you know, like the volume um, where we're looking at the properties of those objects um, and shapes, and we're looking at different views. So when we're looking at a 2D view, we're looking at the shapes, but when we're looking at a 3D view, we're looking at objects. So the, the shape in 3D. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's how we link it. So it's, it's angles, it's visualization of those um, and also of the different objects and what shapes they link to and how they appear different in different perspectives. So we can go on to measurement and all different types of um, components that get more complex. Um, one of the things that I love is actually challenging students to, um, to create objects, particularly just a cube, um, and then work out what it looks like from every side, you know. Um, and so, wow. yeah, 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 with the design. So, you know, like that, it's amazing. Design is incredibly powerful because it takes the complex and makes it simple. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so when we're adding complexity to our students' design, we're, we're not actually teaching them design. It, it goes against the fundamental principle of what good design is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, teaching them the fundamentals and um, allowing them to apply that in all different contexts with different types of limitations really strengthens their design thinking muscles. Uh, it, it's a really powerful. Uh, a lot of students do need to move when they're designing. It, it, students young children were not made to sit for hours endlessly, um, manipulating things with their hands, feeling it, having the sensory experience, that all um, enhances and enriches the student's experience. So um, yeah, so I guess that's where I see that. I, I go on and on, sorry, I haven't talked forever. No, that was awesome. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and I heard like five or six things that, I, that just made me be like, wow, because you know, you don't think about design thinking in STEM sometimes as like a separate thing that, you know, you should be teaching. It's more or less looked at like a step-by-step -step process. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you have something, you know, like what you've made, it's broken that down and it's made that very simple for kids to use. It's mm -hmm. simplified something that if I'm being honest, that's like one of the questions we get a lot, don't we, Naomi, where people are like, yep. well, how do you teach the kids to design? You know, what is you know, the thing, different things you say to them. And I'm like, well, a lot of times, you know, I say this and this to them and they still bring me a picture of a one dimensional, you know, object and they really haven't thought it out. Yeah. And then when they go to build it, they kind of are set up for failure in that way. Yeah. So I think it's like you said, like taking that one, you know, taking this thinking and translating it to this thinking, that's just phenomenal to me. And being able to get that experience because of what you've made in the splat. Um, what are like, do you have any like, cool stories that would kind of like go along with it like the aha moments those are always fun I always like those ones 
You know what I, I do find, I have a lot of aha moments when I'm working in the classroom with students, like mm -hmm. goosebumps. I have teachers tell me when they use it in the classroom, you know, and, and I, I think that is what drives me on, on days where I feel like, you know, like I can't keep going or um, I'm going to have to, you know, go back to the classroom and juggle the classroom and, you know, um, working the business, you know, like, so I think it is really what drives me is those aha moments is sharing them. That is fundamentally why we became teachers mm -hmm. or why I, I became a teacher because I wanted to, we teach because we we were hopeful, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, because we love what we do. Um, and so, yeah, those aha moments are amazing. Kids rarely ever meet product designers. So when I go into the classroom and they meet me and they realize that I'm the crazy splat lady, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they, they are absolutely blown away to meet an inventor. And it's incredible. If I had written a book and it had sold as many copies worldwide, I'd, I'd you know, I'd be well known, but product designers are generally anonymous. Mm. And um, and they're anonymous often for a reason. It's, it's a personality trait, I think, and very artistic and engineered, you know, like their, their mind is very um, interested in engineering and, and focused on a task. So they're not normally rah-rah, proof is normally in the way people engage with the product. Students find it fascinating to think that the splat wasn't the first design. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly, that's how I was. Like when you, when we met, so for people listening, we're all in the Make Your Mark by Casey Moore. So we're all like part of her student group. And that's kind of how we met. Like the first thing I did was like, I looked at your website. I was looking at everything. And I'm like, surely someone has done this. Like surely, but there's, there's not another one out there like this, is there? No, that's, there's not. That's well, mind blowing. Super, <laughs> like, I love the shape. It's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Shape of it. <laughs> I know that too. I love the shape of it. Yeah, I like it's super like simple in a good way like it doesn't seem overwhelming but when you're looking at it you can tell that because I'm looking on my other screen you can tell it has all these possibilities to create something so amazing and it's super attainable for a kid for sure and I can see like the value in what you said too and that was one of the things I wrote down that I wanted to make sure I, like I mentioned like I can see it being used in kindergarten. I really can. And I could see yeah, kids, yeah. like, even if you had to walk them through like a step-by-step -step the first couple of times and do some like explicit instructions with them, them figuring out like, oh, now I could do this or now I could try this, you know, like we talked about earlier, manipulating things, trying something different than what they're used to. And then I could see it being used all the way up until like almost like middle school. Like I have sixth graders, which yeah. is considered middle school for most schools. But I can see a lot of those kids using it and they have a makerspace in the high school and I can see those kids using it because so much of the time when they go to go from that one stage to the next, it doesn't turn out the way they want to because here they weren't thinking of it the way, you know, they can with that tool. And that just, that blows me away every time I think about it too, because even when I'm doing like, if you can see behind me, like my wood pallet wall, like I could have used one of those tools right there for that because like I was measuring everything and I was doing it freehand with my hand and it looked like a six-year-old wrote it rather than, you know, something that would look a little bit nicer and make a whole lot more sense. 
Yeah. Well, for senior students now, we have just released, we've just got our first batch of um, clear splats. So that was actually requested in terms of feedback from teachers. Um, So senior teachers, um, some schools over here have adopted it school-wide. So um, more often than not, we have like schools buying one for every student at home and at school. Um, And the senior classes now have, um, yeah, so we've created a clear one so that, you know, um, older students can get more um, complex. Now, this is for rapid ideation. It's not like a technical drawing tool. Um, it lends itself to that in the older years, but it really is um, focused on um, rapidly visualising and teaching um, how to create that um, 3D perspective. So it's, it's almost a little bit like training wheels, but yeah. um, students love them so much that now they come clear. So <laughs> I'm... So I- going to buy oh. these for my class like I have money left in my budget yeah. I'm getting these. <laughs> I, I needed them today in kindergarten they're trying to draw sheep in the jeep let me oh, tell you I needed a splat <laughs> <laughs> I'll do you a, I'll do you a tutorial we need to work on those jeeps <laughs> one of the things I was going to ask you're talking about like the difference between like the seniors and the younger kids is it the same like product right whether it's that younger grade to the older grade just a different color correct yeah that's right so um like i said originally the tool was much bigger and complex and i had a very very small budget i had five thousand dollars that is it that's a very small right? and startup I yeah very small startup um you know we have a lot of mouths to feed and i my husband and i like we can't make something with our skill set for that amount um, and so it, it was much bigger. And so there are other splat tools, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, but I couldn't afford to get it made. And so actually, the winning element of the splat that you see now um, is its simplicity. We stripped it of anything other than the essential items um, that the younger students would would need or a beginner because we can develop this skill set at any age. Um, so yeah, so it's it's quite interesting that. Um, that there are other splats. <laughs> yeah, that's I, w- I was just curious because when you said that, I was like, I wonder if it's the same tool, if it's a little bit different. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it's definitely like th- different, but the same. Like you said, it's went down to some simplicity, but definitely. And I just, I love this tool and I love like everything that you've actually said to us so far about design, just because that's something I feel like we get a lot of questions on Instagram or Facebook group. You know, all those different places where people are like, hey, you know, the podcast too, when people ask us, hey, how do you get kids to design more effective plans? You know, how do you get them to do that? And I mean, there's a lot of good answers out there as far as what you could say to them. But I feel like something like this, where it's a visual representation, makes all the difference in the world. And I feel like you've definitely explained that very well. Um, thank you. Well, <laughs> our, our goal is to bring diversity to design and to the STEM industry. And if we can't develop this skill, then um, we're, we're, we're failing at bringing diversity. So the idea behind this, the tool is it is inexpensive. It takes no batteries. Um, and basically, it's, it's accessible for all children and teachers. All our resources are free. Um, and, and so, yeah, accessibility is really, really important here. You, you don't have to own a computer. There's nothing fancy about it. Um, and, and hopefully that lowers the barrier for students everywhere to, um, to take up these incredibly future-focused design skills. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we appreciate your time. Unfortunately, you're out of time. I feel like I could sit and listen yeah, to you talk for hours about <laughs> design because I feel like I wrote down 
more stuff for this episode than maybe I ever have as far as like stuff to take away from me and my classroom. So mm -hmm. we appreciate you being on with us. It's been incredible. Um, can you tell us where our listeners can find you and maybe some exciting things that you're looking forward to in the future? Uh, yeah, sure. So COVID has um, upset a few of our plans. Um, they've been postponed or different things. So there's some elements of projects that we're working on that have been postponed or delayed slightly. The one that I'm most excited about at the moment is our five for design program. So previously it was just a hundred um, design lessons, five minutes um, that students and teachers could access. Um, we have decided to turn those into video lessons this year. Um, they will be freely available on our YouTube channel, which is Splat3D. Um, our website is Splat3D and Insta and Twitter, Splat3D. So, um, you know, and our website has a host of free resources. And, um, and yeah, so check us out at Splat3D.com um, and we're open to answering any questions or supporting teachers in any way that we can. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I know we appreciate you being on today and meeting with us. Um, and really, like I said, I feel like I learned a lot and took a lot away. So we appreciate you. Yay. Okay. This is just awesome. I'm so happy to connect with like-minded um, teachers and, uh, and thanks to all the listeners uh, for tuning in. Um, hopefully they will take something really positive away from this. Yes. So we loved creating this episode for you guys today. Um, make sure you follow us um, for more great episodes here and on um, Instagram as we are trying to keep on posting on there constantly. Um, next thing, do you have a teacher business? Cause we're looking for partners. So we have our innovative teacher corner that we have started reaching out to people and we're looking to give you an opportunity to get onto the innovative teacher podcast corner and us for us to start talking about all the awesome things you do. Um, if you're interested in collaborating with us or marketing with us, or maybe even an interview or presenting at your school, please email us at innovative teacher podcast at gmail.com. Last thing, if you've forgotten, we do have a Patreon. So make sure you head over to our Patreon page and you can be part of our members. Um, make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform so you can be updated on the relate the oh, I could hardly say that. The latest release. Make sure you follow us on social media. Thank you, innovative teachers, for listening today. We'll see you in the next episode. This has been the Innovative Teacher Podcast with hosts Naomi Meredith and Spencer Sharp. Tune in next Thursday for another edition as we help teachers learn and grow together and move their classrooms forward. Music by Audionautics.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>